Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. We have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. You know, we're like 240 episodes into this thing. Ten minutes ago, my wife says to me, hey, do you mind if I just, you know, sit in the bedroom on headphones folding laundry while you do your podcast? It's like, get the fuck out of here. You can't <laughs> fold laundry in the bedroom. Well, you know, I mean, this is our thing. This is yeah. our thing. Don't yeah. make me nervous, honey. It's episode yeah. 240 of the Anakin Florian Podcast, Monday, March 9, 2020. Happy birthday, Dominic Cruz. I guess Corey Sanhagen, Ken Flo, must not know that it's Dominic Cruz's birthday because uh, <laughs> he chose today, or maybe it was last night, to shout out to the Instagram masses that uh, he has been offered a co-main event against Dominic Cruz, who has not wow. competed since 2016, of course, uh, in San Diego in mid-May, so in Cruz's backyard. So... A lot of that lines up real well wow. for Dom. I mean, certainly Corey Sandhagen is a guy who at times has emulated Dominic's style. And certainly Dom has been an MMA hero of sorts for him. I think he was until the first fighter meeting he had with Dom. And then maybe, you know, that's when uh, he started to think maybe this fight could actually happen. But no, Corey wants this fight, obviously, a very difficult challenge for Dom if he returns to that fight. Uh, after, you know, three years on the sidelines. Dude, that's a fight. And, and again, you know, I know that Sanhagen has definitely taken, uh, taken elements and uh, emulated elements of Dominic Cruz's game, as he should. Dominic Cruz, right. uh, one of the best footwork guys ever to compete inside the octagon, does a lot of things differently and intelligently. Um, and to see that fight go down, man, that would be tremendous. Sanhagen is a guy that's very tall for the division. He's, he's a yeah. big 35-er. Uh, and he's got a lot of different weapons and tools that I really think would bring out the best in Dominic Cruz. That's an awesome fight. Sign Bantam me up. Bantamweight's awesome right now. You know, Oof. we were talking a lot about Bantamweight because of Sean O'Malley this weekend, and he mm. certainly looks like a future top five or if not champion to me. He's 25 years old, and uh, we didn't even get to see a touch of what he has developed over the last two years. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting right now. I ran into Aljamain Sterling, and I didn't intend to lead the show this way, but Aljamain Sterling I ran into in Las Vegas. He's still idling a little bit with that wrist, you know. It's a critical couple weeks for him. He's going to try and stay in Vegas for another week of rehabilitation to really try to get that thing well. But you got Cejudo taking on Jose Aldo. Of course, Marlon Marais and Piotr Jan, I think, are going to collide in the main event. Maybe Sandhagen and Cruz. So Division's starting to move goat. along. Yeah, the, the division yeah. is great. But happy birthday to the uh, to the Bantamweight GOAT, uh, Dominic Cruz. All right, so UFC 248 kind of had it all. But in the nature of time, we have got to lead with the fight of the year. You know, when people ask me, Kenny... 
what's the best fight I've ever called. I, I think always the first thing that I think of is you and me in Brisbane, Connecticut, 2013, the heavyweight headliner between Bigfoot Silva and Mark Hunt. But since, obviously, there have been incredible fights. Right now, if you're asking me that question, I do believe men or women, the best fight that I think I've been octagon side to call is Zhang Weili versus Joanna Yemjacek. Recency, bias, or otherwise, mm-hmm. we witnessed something special Saturday. Uh, just witnessing how much... Um volume those women threw and how much they had to take throughout that fight uh the momentum shifts throughout uh both these ladies are champions in my book uh showed a resiliency and an offensive uh arsenal that i thought was really really impressive and you know you want to kind of predicted this that it would be a, a legendary fight she absolutely delivered that um, both of these women, the way that they matched up, uh, it definitely had the makings of a war. It was just that and more. Um, I, I was blown away by their performance um, and just their willingness to continue trading back and forth and the adjustments that they had to make throughout. Um, what a fight. And again, you know, as far as deciding who won that fight, yeah. I mean, that is that is an extremely difficult thing. I thought the fifth round uh, was probably Zhang Wei Li's uh, round for sure. Um, but the other rounds were really hard to call. It could have been tied up heading into that fifth round. Yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, both those women, I, I think, really deserve a rematch. There was one oh, person yeah. in particular who who came at me saying, what are you talking about? What are you going to give every title shot to Ioana? I mean, does she not deserve it based on what she's done and how close that fight was? And I don't think any fans uh, would be against that, really, uh, seeing a rematch. Th- those yeah. guys are just kind of – some fighters are just made to fight each other. I yes. think those two are certainly that. Yeah, they're destined to fight again. And how prophetic, to your point, was Ioana Jacek saying it was going to be the greatest fight in strawweight history. It's yes. one of the best fights. It's a Hall of Fame fight, but one of the best fights in yeah. UFC history. Uh, and Ray Longo was texting me during it. So uh, let's bring him on in. Let's get to the Ray Longo minute. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. So goddamn much to unpack on this co-main event. Raymond Peter Longo now joins us live. Ray, it's always good to have you, my man. I mean, one angle of this is the price you pay in terms of your longevity for a fight like that. I mean, how about the forehead on Joanna and Jacek after that fight? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, no, I've, I've never, ever seen anything like that. I remember back in the day, a boxer named, I think, Haseem Rockman had a yes, huge team yes. total, but not over the whole head. This looked like it was four hours in special effects on a movie set. This was crazy. Ha, yeah. Uh, Next unrecognizable, time, really. Haseem Rockman is, that's the best example by far. Next time, Text me next time, Ray. Make me look like a genius on pay-per-view. Just text oh. me, Haseem Rockman. Oh. Let me tell you, first of all, you, you are a genius in that booth. Let me, you are a genius. So you've saved that booth with oh, all your thanks. insight and all your notes and stuff. Are you Definitely. kidding? You, you know, oh, somebody uh, sent it to me. You, I think Bloody Elbow does a winners and losers. You were in the winners. I mean, I'm oh, proud of this guy, I'll take Kenny. I'll take he killed it. He killed it all the time. Well, thanks. well, thanks. Ken Flo's texting yeah, what me a professional, all the time. But, yeah, I will so, do uh, that next time. I'm sorry about that, too. So, Kenny, uh, before I get Ray's thoughts on, on the fight and Zhang Wei Li from a technical standpoint, because I think she answered a lot of questions, there's got to be a price to pay in terms of the longevity, right? I mean, for Ioana Jacek, 14th UFC fight, 10 of them have been title fights, 25 minutes against Valentina Shevchenko. Most of her title fights have gone the distance. Clearly, the head was bothering her. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be a downer, but there's got to be a price to pay for Zhang Wei Li when you absorb a fight like this, just as your championship career is getting going. 
No doubt about it, especially considering the fact that Joanna was certainly the, the bigger fighter out there. Um, you know, those shots are going to take its toll. Um, for Joanna, obviously, she's had a lot more 25-minute uh, battles than uh, Zhang Wei Li has. But uh, talk about, you know, welcoming, welcoming her into the fire and, you know, knowing what it's like to deal with an other champion at a very high skill level. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that was unbelievable. And, and I was also impressed with the fact that she was able to get on the inside. You know, for Joanna, I, I felt like she should have stuck in really been sticking and moving a lot more throughout that fight. She was hanging around and kind of watching her work. You can't do that against someone like yeah. Zhang Wei Li, who's going to find a way to get in, land those left hooks, and the right hands was really what was concerning me the most. Those yeah. right hands were landing heavy. Yuana was kind of, she'd land her combination and just kind of wait there and look to kind of slip her head off the center line. That was never happening, uh, and, and Zhang Wei Li would just kept landing that right hand repeatedly. Ray, I was pretty impressed with uh, Zhang Weili's ability to weather the Young know, Jacek storm. Most fighters kind of crumble under that pressure. Certainly, yeah. she was giving yeah. her back that pressure and then some. But Ray, you texted me during the fight. I think Yoana might be in her head. Yoana's going to win. And at that time, I absolutely agreed with you. I said on the air, I felt like Yoana would have been the betting favorite on a live betting live at that point in time. On the balance of those 25 minutes, I did think Yoana Jacek won the fight round by round. I have no idea. Um, but Ray, certainly there was a time in there where Zhang Weili had to get a second wind and dig deep. And, and I got to think in your mind, she certainly did that. No, without a doubt. I agree with you. And I did text you that, and I thought, I thought she was breaking up by the end of the second round, and it looked like the girl was confused, like, you know, was, she's normally, you know, like the bully in there, and this time it just wasn't happening. Joanna, and I agree with Kenny, should have been maybe a little more side-to-side -side movement. Like, I think Nama Yunus will give her a fit mm -hmm. when, if she fights her, but she was able to stay in front of her, and she was, I think, a little quicker, not as strong, but... She did push that fight forward. I thought she controlled the dance. And I do think Whaley came back unbelievable in the fifth round and showed really how to dig down deep. But I, I got to tell you, at the end of the fight, I thought Joanna, I thought, they, I, I thought they owed it to her as a former champion with that performance. I thought she won that fight. And yeah, uh, it, was, it was close. It was a great fight. Obviously, uh, again, I agree, Hall of Fame fight. That I certainly was on the edge of my couch, you know, going crazy. But, uh, yeah. you know, just uh, just a great fight for the fans. And and I think because of that fight, it highlights what a stinker the other fight was. And I know there'll be some controversy yeah. over that. But, hey, but I Ray, real quickly, fight. before we get to Adesanya and Romero, how about this Mike Brown from American Top Team, right? The former WEC champion, such a great head coach. He's put in a lot of extra time with Yoel Romero in advance of this fight. And he rebuilt Joanna, and so did Cattell Kubis and all these guys, but they wanted so badly for her to break through, right? She's on the wrong end yeah. of that decision, and Mike Brown's got to immediately go back, change the fight kit, and come corner Yoel Romero. I got to think nothing easy about it, but uh, I just wanted to shout him out there to our fellow coach, you, because uh, that couldn't have been easy to make that quick turn. No, one of the, one of the good guys in the sport, as you, again, Mike Brown, is, he's done a phenomenal job. You could see he's passionate about what he does he's heartfelt everybody nobody ever says a bad word about the guy any any conversations i've ever had with him have been positive and insightful and he's you know i think we were in i think we were in japan together when uh somebody uh who the hell he was but you could see just jumping around and he's into it man he's a great coach and 
that's a that's a tough that's a tough uh, schedule to go from that fight to the Romero fight. Yeah. yeah. I know for Team Romero, this was an awfully difficult pill to swallow, but I just think for Mike in particular, given how much he had invested in Joanna, thought she won that fight, and it's a real hard regroup it, there. So it, It's the highest highs and the lowest lows for coaches as well. You know what I mean? Oh, the yeah, the yeah. whole oh, team just feels like, ah, yeah, you know, they all they all feel for the fighter and how much work they've all put in. It's, it's tough to deal with that, no doubt. Yeah. No so, Ray, we've had some stinkers. I mean, there have been some fights that have been crazy outliers like Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis, where as a commentator, you don't quite know what to say. I think the worst fight I've ever called was Constantina Rokin versus Gabriel Gonzaga. I have long said that at the highest levels of mixed martial arts, sometimes you are going to get some fights that are very tactical and not all action offense all the time. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. a pretty clear win for Adesanya and have expressed that thought to, uh, to Abe Kawa, Yoel's manager. I did think Izzy won the fight. Uh, three, two, or four, one. I guess. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on a main event that obviously gives us a lot to unpack? Uh, man, like, look, you could go a, a bunch of different ways because I know uh, I read Kenny's tweet, and I agree. It was it was tactical, but it was he made a decision to do what he did. It takes two guys to fight. This is this is very tricky. It really is for. for uh, but he let a he he let a forty three year old man stand in front of him. And he couldn't do a fucking thing with him. Nothing. Mm. All he could do was point out. Look what I did to his leg. Really? And then when when the guy's doing the when the guy's doing the somber at the uh, press conference, he's like, "Well, he's a good actor. He, you know, behind closed doors, he's hurt." Really? Now you're going to tell us how much his leg is hurting? I thought it was a complete unraveling for Adesanya from wow. a personal standpoint. I I thought he did what he had to do to win the fight. But, you know, you have three of those in a row, and you, you're going to have no UFC. It goes back to that again. Nobody's going to pay to watch that. I agree with the technicality. It was always, you know, the in the air, would, would Romero get him? Would he get him? So I think it kind of saves it that way. But but at the end of the day, man, uh, you know, like even Deontay Wilder, he's got a punch from hell. But Fury made a decision to go right at him. Could have backfired, but it didn't. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Whaley Zhang is a tough opponent with a, a hard punch. But Joanna made a decision to fight. And I believe Adesanya got hit with that punch in the first round. And he yeah. made a decision to play it safe. Whether you want to call it, whatever you could call it, whatever you want to call it. But he had an option. He could have went right at him. Why didn't he? Yeah. Well, Ken Flo, I think a lot of the fan base uh, is going to agree with a lot of what Ray just had to say, I agree with mm -hmm. part of it. I think there's a whole Romero side that might have been conveniently conveniently ignored in what he just said. I mean, what do you think about what Ray had to say there? Yeah, listen, I, I would say this, is that you also have to play to your strengths, right? There was a guy named Robert Whitaker who tried to go out of Sonia as well, and he got knocked out. You have to look at the strengths of a fighter, and you have to look at your own strengths as a fighter as well. And I get that, you know, people appreciate that, um, but... You know, I know we'd all like to think that, you know, Robert Whitaker will be remembered as that guy who was aggressive, but people are going to look at that L at the end of the day, and they're going to see the knockout right there, and, and people are going to forget about the fact that he was moving forward. All they're going to recognize is the L and the W, and this is a championship fight between two elite fighters, right? And um, again, you know... You want to went forward. She made that. She made that risk of moving forward and not being so defensively responsible. Not only did she take a complete beating in that fight, but she also didn't get the win. Whether you know she could have won that fight, it was a close fight. But here she is. She has all that damage, and she has an L at the end of the day. Um, here's the thing. 
We forget about Anderson Silva's performances and in, in, in his main events. We forget about yeah. the one against Damian Maya. We forget about the one against Tiago Alves. We forget again about the one against Patrick Cote. Anderson Silva is the same kind of striker as Adesanya. And that's why they had such a close fight. They're both counter-strikers. When you get two exactly. counter-strikers in there and they, and they choose to fight that style, you're going to get some fights like that, unfortunately. And it was very tactical. And, the, and it almost worked for Romero. Romero waited for him. Yes. Adesanya, now, now, this is not an excuse for Adesanya because Adesanya is way more comfortable moving backwards, countering. And it's way harder to be taken down moving backwards than it is moving forward. When you're moving forward, you hit those reactive takedowns. When you're moving forward, you also become way more susceptible to a big shot that Romero actually landed in round one, kind of blinded Adesanya for a few seconds there. So Adesanya is way more comfortable moving back than he is moving forward. Romero recognized that, and that's why Adesanya was very um, careful to move forward. He was he was probing and prodding more than actually trying to take it to Romero because of that danger. And guess what? Romero kind of did the same thing too. It takes two to tango, like Longo said. Romero could have gone forward as well. And that's why I think Costa will bring it to Adesanya. We'll see a much better fight because of their style matchups. But don't be surprised if you see Costa knocked out on the canvas uh, in their fight right. as well. And what if, so uh, my recommendation to Costa would be do the same thing Romero did. Just stand there. And then we'll have another no fight. Just stand yeah, there. Well, yeah, well, the thing is, the thing is you got you got to be able to play smart. I don't think Costa's going to do that. I think he'll. No, I know, but but I, I mean, I think at this point, I mean, what, what happens then? What do you, what do you do? The other he, guy, like, look, you, yeah. I mean, he said it. He goes, look, uh, Gastelum came at me, Whitaker came at me, and Romero could say the same thing. Costa came at him, Whitaker came at him. They were great fights. So you got two that, guys. Yeah. So when you have yeah. two counter punches that don't want to engage, this is what we're going to see. This is the problem. You're right. Which, which I mean, again, it's true. Kenny, I'm not disagreeing because as a coach, obviously, I want the W. So, yeah. so I'm just being the devil's advocate, to be honest with you, with this one, because yeah. I'm not that invested in it at all. But I just thought it was – I thought there's people that make a decision to go for it, and there's people that play it safe. I think he got hit. You could say it was tactical. I say he was scared shit. He didn't want to lose that belt, and he was more tied up in not losing than winning. Well, I would say I would say this, you know, with all due respect, I think any of your any of your fighters who have lost by knockout, I'm sure you would trade that in for a W decision win, even if it was boring. Yeah, and that's where it gets crazy as a trainer. Yeah. That's why I say I'm trying to be a devil's advocate just to right. provoke a conversation. But yeah, sure. at the end of the day, look, the tactical, I, I do agree with. You. He did what he had to do to win. It didn't make for an exciting yeah. fight, but you know, and hopefully and he you're have talking. This is a championship fight. This is a chan Do you know what's on the line here? It's not this isn't Brilliant. a fight night somewhere in, you know, Boise. you know, in the middle yeah, middle of Boise or something, you know. This is a championship fight in Vegas, a lot on the line. The difference literally between millions of dollars or not. Right for Adesanya oh, to hold oh, on to that belt, yeah. that equals millions of dollars moving forward for his career, and it means millions of dollars for Romero moving forward. So yeah. you know it, it's it, it's tough. There there's a lot on the line, and when you get these kind of fights, you get it happens in boxing a lot. It happens also when you get these elite fighters in main yeah. events with a lot on the line. Yeah, I, look, the other thing is like you know, like again, I, I get criticized for bashing Conor McGregor for whatever reason. I really don't think I do, but but again, to Conor McGregor's credit. He, he goes comes forward. to fight. He, he deserves that money. These guys want Conor McGregor money without being Conor McGregor, I think, is bullshit. Conor McGregor's I, going forward. He's looking to finish the fight. He doesn't win all the time, 
But you know what? It hasn't tarnished his his money account. hasn't tarnished his bank account. These guys want that money, but they don't want to take that risk. Ray, that's I, where I agree. Take and I, I take I, my hats off to Conor McGregor for that. I couldn't agree more, and I think that's a great example. And I think if Adesanya is looking at this fight, he's saying, okay, I am this counter-striker, but now if someone does play that, what do I do to incre- increase my arsenal of moves and basically up my ability yeah. to both keep the excitement level and be able to go forward effectively without getting countered? countered right? right? So exactly. he doesn't look, have, look. He doesn't have and, that in his and, arsenal and right now. He needs and to Kenny, fix it. Kenny, if, if he was so happy with his tactical performance... Why was he lashing out at everybody? Right. Just own it. I mean, right. no, lashing I mean, out. The, the crowd's a bunch of buffoons. I, I got a weird feeling from his speech after that, man. It was almost like a, like a scorned lover. He was in a, it was a different spot, man. He was, he was lashing out at everybody. Own it. I bought my you fight, are, and I won. You, what you are what right. Are you, what are you criticizing the fans for? And what, I'm going to entertain for a bunch of buffoons drinking in the... I, I thought he, I thought he went off the rails a little bit with that. I thought he just should have owned it. Listen, I had to do what I had to do to win. I'm right. sorry it wasn't entertaining, but this is the fight game. But instead, he he chose to really go after people. You are right that he got defensive and it seemed out of character, so I will certainly give you that. I think there are so many masters in all of this, right? You have a promoter who has an agenda. You know, you think Sean right. Shelby and Nick yes. Maynard, the matchmakers, are super happy when this happens? Obviously not, yeah. right? Like, obviously, for us as commentators, it's a little bit more challenging, but I'm very conditioned to a snoozer here or there, even at the highest level, so yeah. it didn't really phase me all that much. Let me ask you this, Ray, in the nature of yeah. time, and I don't know how much time you have, but I walked no, no, up to no, the I'm ESPN. Good. All right. I walk up to the ESPN desk to host the post show, and Ken Flo, I'm dying to tell you this. And uh, mm. one of our producers, whom I trust uh, to a great extent, was like, I had it 4 1 Romero. And I practically, I, I didn't know what to say, right? But there are a lot of people out there who thought Yoel Romero won this fight. And I asked Adesan in, on the post show, would there be more learning lessons here if, you know, you didn't have a new Ruby on your belt? And you, you, because he. Very conceivably, Ray, in the in the eyes of many people, could have lost this fight, and that would Without have been the doubt. ultimate price to pay. Yeah, what was the last part of that, Ken, uh, John? Well, I'm just curious how close you thought Romero was to winning, and maybe why your criticism seems seems more reserved for for the champion, right? Most people think this was a very close fight. Oh, it was 100 percent a close fight. I would have, honestly, I could make a case for one, two, and five going to Romero. I don't know what the other guy did besides the leg kick. I don't think he hit him. Listen, at the end of the day, the most damage was done by Romero. Do we agree with that? Just with the few punches he went? No, I don't agree. Because the the leg was the biggest factor for me. Yeah, Adesanya didn't really have a scratch on him. Oh, man, I I just remember so many fights where guys got their leg killed and they lost the fight. I don't know. But all right, let's how about this? Would you agree? Like he said he was (laughs) he said he was going to re he said he was going to retire Romero. Would you at least agree he couldn't back up what he said he was going to do? Yes, I agree not. with that. Yes. I agree. And, Ray, I think okay. it's it's a healthy conversation. Before we let you go, I, I got to ask you yeah. about Dan Mergliata in this fight, right? Because I like all these referees. I share buses with them after the fights, which is not always ideal because I'm paid to talk. And oftentimes it's about the job that they do or don't do. You know, I understand that a referee can warn and penalize fighters for timidity can flow uh but when you're getting in between fighters and saying you know you're being paid for a championship fight to me that crosses the line of what you're being paid to do flow it's not under it's not his role i get it he's trying to get them to fight and dan's an awesome guy and he's been around the sport for a long time 
but that's when you're kind of getting out of your role a little bit. Um, at, at, you know, that that's not that's not the job of a referee uh, to kind of listen, talk about those things. Listen, I think I, yeah. we've been through this a million times. We're going to be through it another million. There's no accountability. Nothing's going to yeah. happen. He's done it before. He had Michael mm-hmm. Venom Page. He cursed him out after the he's, This isn't the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to yeah. say, if you're an official or a judge, do whatever the fuck you want to do, because nobody's going to do anything. About it. <laughs> <laughs> just do whatever. The, just do you're whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah. It's no well, accountability. I know. Nothing. Well, zero. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, and I think largely they're discouraged from talking and they don't see the upside in top talking because it just potentially puts their job at risk. But, you know, they are independent contractors who technically could come on this podcast and try to defend their decision, but it just doesn't seem to them, not I think, ha- collectively, not group, there's much upside yet. Man, so, now, listen, the more these guys talk, the more it will become obvious why we're talking, having this conversation right yeah. now. They don't want that. Then they got a liability. Then it's a yeah. liability. Yeah. They got to deal with it just out to protect their ass. That's it, you know? Hey, so uh, the highlight of my trip was uh, a couple tequila and pineapple juices in after the show on Saturday night. Who walks out of the restaurant? But maybe the best band of weight in the world, Aljamain Sterling. He's going to, I guess, try to spend, a, spend another week in Vegas working on that wrist. But it was good to see your guy there for uh, 10 minutes. There after the <laughs> Aljo's the best. He's the best, that guy. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, great passionate stuff out of you, yes. as always. What do you got cooking the rest of the day? You going to sweat a little bit or what? Uh, I think I got the All-American coming in. We got a couple of workouts I got to go through and uh, sparring tonight. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really getting busy over here. We got a lot of fights coming up in the next two weeks locally, and then uh, I go from Mizuki to uh, Ohio against right. Tisha Torres, which is going to be a tough fight. Let's All go. Right, well, uh, I'll see you in Columbus, buddy. Tell the All-American yeah. Brian Stamp we say hi, and uh, we'll see you soon, okay? <laughs> yes. Uh. <laughs> love it. John, you're getting there, buddy. I love it. Get there. Get it. Hey, guys, buddy. listen, this was, I was the devil's advocate today. Trust me, I'm not that invested in what happened, but i just making some observations just to be a boy we, we want those opinions, dude. Well, we yeah, want man. those yeah, opinions. Yeah. You're speaking, you're speaking for good. a lot of people, yeah. so we appreciate it. Awesome, guys. All right, listen, yeah. man, take it easy. Thanks, All right, buddy. Take care of yourself. Yeah, I could not believe how much Adesanya criticism I woke up to here on Monday after yep. some of the snippets from our post-fight show aired. You know, I did ask him on the post-show, Kenny, to Adesanya, do you consider yourself a counter-striker? Because he kept referring to Romero as a counter-striker. He didn't want it. He's like, I'm the last style vendor. You know, I mean, he don't want it. But counter-striker versus counter-striker, if you consider both of them to be most effective and at their best when they are in a countering realm... Uh, then sometimes this can happen, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You see it in boxing from time to time, and and uh, again, you know, especially when you're talking about elite fighters who are trying to use their brains, they're not going to just rush in like that. That's just that's never been their style. Either of those guys, really, you know. Um, so it, we knew it had this possibility of playing out yeah. this way. Uh, and every once in a while, you get that matchup that yeah. doesn't gel. Yuana and uh, Wei Li Zhang, Zhang, Zhang Wei Li, sorry, matched yeah. up tremendously well. Wasn't the case uh, in the main event. You look at those two fights back to back, and it looks that much worse, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, you, you can't complain all the time. That co-main was tremendous. It's going to go down as one of the best ever. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And if you heard Odd Sharks Joe Osborne with us a week ago, uh, he kind of expected Adesanya Romero could go down that way, gave you plus 175 for the fight to go the distance. But uh, it's interesting in terms of the outcome, Kenny, because Dana w was highly critical of Yoel Romero. And I think even for me on broadcast, you know, it's going to be 43 years old next month. Yeah. Outcome hangs in the balance. Obviously, if we had open scoring, maybe that fifth round would have taken on a, a different tune, although Romero certainly had his moments in that fifth round. Um, but how close a fight did you think this was? Because there were there was definitely a segment of the fan base out there that believed Yoel did enough to wrest the belt away. It, it was close. Um, it, it definitely was close. Um, I, I thought it was pretty clear for Adesanya, myself, uh, at least three to two. Yeah. Um, you know, Again, when you're playing that counter-strike style, um, it, it's it's going to be tough to kind of uh, be yeah. adamant about why you got a certain win when you're talking about the difference between one or two strikes. I mean, Romero really, what, didn't do anything in the first round besides that overhand left uh, and then kind of did that for the early part of the round, started moving forward a little bit more later in the fight because he had to kind of switch things up. All right. I don't know. I, I listen. I thought Adesanya won pretty clearly, but uh, it, it was it was definitely close. Yoel Romero was not credited with a takedown. I know a lot of people think he got Adesanya down one time. He wasn't credited with that takedown. Mm -hmm. uh, and to me, you know, I I think Ray was sort of intimating that what are you going to decide a championship fight on leg kicks? But you yeah. know, when you put two dozen welts all up and around the thigh and the knee of the other guy, and hey, it's isn't the onus on the shorter guy to get inside and try to prevent that from happening if it becomes a narrative in a round? Definitely, and, and it slowed him down. You could clearly see that it was slowing Romero down. Romero did was not moving the exact same way. Um, and yeah, that, that's the unfortunate part about it, man. And, and it, it was interesting because you hear both those guys, they were both complaining about the other guy. Why? Yeah. Cause they wanted yeah. the other guy to come forward really badly. Both were very hesitant in playing that role. So, uh, again, uh, hopefully we see in both of these men, uh, you know, them kind of bring, uh, more of an offense, uh, yeah. or at least develop that in their yeah. training so they can come forward without, uh, giving up that uh, big advantage. I got to say, for us in the broadcast booth after Zhang Wei Li and Joanna, the fact that they just stood there for five minutes in round one, I was like, all right, right thank you, boys. You can fight now. We appreciate that. We just, <laughs> we just need you to reset for us a little bit. Uh, good news is, I don't know if there's a betting line on this, but I can guarantee you Paulo Costa is going to move forward and will not ever in his yes. entire career be involved in a fight that is that unaesthetically pleasing to the audience, right? This yeah. might be, this is Gaethje B, right, in terms of the most exciting fighters in the sport in any division for me. I mean, go to UFC Fight Pass and look up Paulo Costa. So what's your appetite for that middleweight fight, and how competitive do you think Costa is against someone like Adesanya? It's fire. That's the fight that should have uh, been made, right? Obviously, Costa got injured, um, but there's no doubt in my mind that this is a guy that does not care if you're trying to take him down. He does not care if you're counter. You're trying to counter strike him. He's going to get in your face and he's going to try to touch it repeatedly with his hands, his elbows, his knees, and his feet. Um, so that's the match you got to make. Um, I do think it's not going to go the dis distance. I would be very surprised <laughs> right. if it does. Right. One of those guys are getting knocked out. There's no doubt about it. Those guys are made to fight each other, uh, and I can't wait to see it. Hopefully, is Costa ready to start training yet? Well, what's the, what's the he, uh, he will be ready to fight in twelve weeks from right now? Oh wow! So okay, uh, so. he looked a little bigger than normal. Oh no! Oh yeah, Looks somebody little, was suggesting yeah. that when he's done fighting, uh, and there'll be a lot of muscle there, but he'll be like three fifty when he's done fighting. He was yeah. big. He's a big yeah. dude. <laughs> so uh, 
quickly on the strawweight championship as we spin it forward, I want to know what you learned about Zhang Wei Li because certainly Yoani Jacek wasn't the only one who was questioning her technique questioning her ability to survive in championship rounds. I think she answered a ton of questions in terms of heart and cardio and whether or not she is a five-round championship fighter. Um, but Tatiana Suarez certainly waits in the wings. There are stylistic yeah. matchups like Nama Yunus, a rematch with Andrade that will absolutely go longer. Um, what questions were answered by Zhang Wei Li, and uh, how do you handicap her moving forward here against Suarez and the rest? Number one, she can uh, withstand a tremendous amount of punishment. She can deal with adversity. She can go 25 minutes um, against another skillful uh, fighter. Um, so as far as that goes, for everyone else in that division, I guarantee you that she is going to get infinitely better after this fight. The experience that you gain in 25 minutes of being in the octagon against yeah. another elite fighter is huge. I'm talking about mentally, physically, technically, all the things that she's going to come away with because she is a true martial artist. Yeah. Um, I think Wei Li Zhang is going to be tremendous after this fight. She's only going to be that much better. Now, she did take a lot of damage in this fight as well. Um, so I think she needs to take her time, really yeah. heal up, uh, you know, don't get right back into sparring, make right. sure she's taking care of her body, number one. Uh, but this is a fighter that is only going to grow and get better from this. So th right. that doesn't bode well for other people in the division. Uh, but for Tatiana Suarez, you know, uh, she should be banging on that door right now asking for this fight because she's a very different fighter than anyone yeah. uh, that, that really is in that division for the most part. She's the best wrestler in the division, but the way that she matches up against the current champ, uh, I think she she wants that fight. Well, the division is so exciting. And I think more than any other division, when you look at the top five, it's all former champions, right? Mm -hmm. So the mm -hmm. top five fighters, I think Nina Ansaroff is, is maybe six right now. And, of course, bring her up so we can congratulate her and Amanda Nunes. Uh, they'll be having a baby in September. So Nina is pregnant. Wow. But she has said she's going to resume her career thereafter. So she will factor back in this equation, I think, and she's going to be super motivated as a mother. But That's awesome. when you look at it, it's Andrade, former champ, Nama Yunus, former champion, Jacek, former champ, and then Suarez, the best wrestler in the division, the best right. wrestler the division's ever seen. Yes. 115 pounds uh, is in tremendous shape. So we will have more on UFC 248 with Ian Parker in a moment, but I want to bring on TJ DeSantis because it's time for the pronunciation of the week. This man will make his 17th UFC appearance this Saturday against Ken Flo's Peruvian brother, Enrique Barzola. Uh, by the way, the UFC Bantamweight debut for Barzola. So uh, moving down to 35. So wow. doesn't sound like a fun Thursday night to me. No. Uh, TJ DeSantis, 3-2 and two on the year, my man. Of whom am I speaking, buddy? You know, I thought that you guys hated me, and then you finally give me a layup, and I know we're cool. So uh, this man is named Hani Yaya. All right, let's hear his file. Rani Yahya. Rani Yahya. Bullshit. He just, he just decided to change his name all of a sudden? Yeah. yeah. He's no, no just, longer Brazilian, okay. TJ? I'm not TJ. This is the only time I'll take TJ's back on this okay. one. Yeah. yeah, Royce Gracie. Renzo <laughs> Gracie. <laughs> exactly. You don't get to change. Like, is it now Jean Anik? Hey. <laughs> Generationally, <laughs> though. So I'll give you the point. You're four and two on the year because I think most of the fan base thinks it's Hani Yaya. This was a selfish play by me. I just want everybody to know that there are a lot of Brazilian fighters who want you to Americanize their name. Mm. So Ronnie wants to be Ronnie Yaya on broadcast. And every single time that we call his fight, Kenny, when you and I called his fights back in the day, he was Hani. Yes. Right? He wants to be Ronnie. 
just like Ronnie Marks wants to be Ronnie and not Hani Marks, right? So every time we call his fight, uh, we hear from people like TJ who tell us it's Hani. So I just want to play the file. <laughs> Man. So are, are, are you Yon Anik? Is it Joao Anik? What are we going with here? Oh, Joao Zeferino. That's, yeah. That's what it is. J-O-A-O. Joao. I want you to call me Joao. Joao Anik. All right. Here we go. I'll never forget when I first sent the audio down for my uh, Joao Zeferino combo feature. They're like, what did you say? His <laughs> I said it just like he said it. Joao. All right. Plenty more to get to. Of course, we got UFC Fight Night, Lee versus Oliveira coming up Saturday night on ESPN+. Plus. We make some picks here in the Main Event Challenge. It's the Main Event Challenge. Annick. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The Main Event Challenge. The John Annick and Kenny Florian Podcast. Oh, God damn it! what the fuck? Those are the sounds that used to come out of my mouth when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. And I continue to thank Manscaped for turning those loud shrieks into multiple peaks. And I think a lot of guys out there, a lot of you have gone out and bought this lawnmower 3.0 because you got to do some manscaping. And it doesn't always go off without a hitch, you know? It's like a paper cut on your balls. It's not fun. You know, your daughter's like, what's wrong, Dad? Nothing, honey. Good news, though, man. Manscaping accident's now a thing of the past Manscaped spent 18 months redesigning the greatest below-the-waist trimmer ever created. It is absolutely that. It's the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Features a brilliant cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent accidents. Allows just for a much more quick and efficient trim because you're not worried about the metal blade doing damage down there. It's a premium product. LED light for more precise trimming. They've upgraded the motor. Battery lasts up to 90 minutes. Rapid charging dock. Looks super sleek. It's powered by USB, which obviously makes it super easy with all your devices. Manscaped has truly thought of everything to make the Lawnmower 3.0 a life-changing product for men. So many people, you know, have written into us to tell me about buying the Lawnmower 3.0. TJ bought one last week. You got to try this for yourself, and we're going to give you 20% off with free shipping with the code AF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code AF, manscaped.com, promo code AF for 20% off with free shipping. All right, so 23 apiece going into UFC 248. Ken Flo takes the week 5-4. He goes 5-1 and one on the main card, 4-2 and two, uh, for Ian Parker. And Ian, obviously the close fight was the swing fight for you last week. Your car close was very close, like a manscaped trim away <laughs> from beating Benil Darius. And that's a three-point swing for you. And um, I kind of was feeling you on close, man. You thought about changing your pick to Darius. What a fight. I mean, you feel like you're calling a close knockout, and the next Crazy. thing you know, it's uh, it's goddamn Benny Darius. It was the first time in a long time I got a text from Kenny so quick after that fight was over. All I got was one of these. I got I got the uh, yeah, what, what, fuck you, bro. Uh, text message, you know, not like yo, good job, you hit that insane parlay we talked about for two days. It was yo, I just knocked you out, and took the lead. Fuck you, he didn't say anything. He gave me a heart shape and this. That was it. That was it. So and he unfollowed me. No, yeah, I'm I'm sure. So so you gave out a parlay on uh, that Anik Florian pod live Instagram stream on Saturday. And uh, Chikadze was probably the big one that you got because I thought Jamal Emmers won that fight. Bailed it. Congratulations. Yeah, that that one. And then Ge- uh, G- uh, Gerald hit. And then Omadson hit. Vieira hit. And then uh, Cowboy hit. And Sugar, Sean O'Malley hit. Uh, yeah. Pretty much hit everything going into that main card. It was a, it was a big one. And I yeah. said to Kenny... You know, I wasn't in love with it, but the odds were there that if I hit it, I got to just chill for the main card. 
Although I did have Zhang Weili and uh, Israel Adesanya as the last legs. Didn't even feel like hedging. Although Zhang Weili, that was close. That was a little yeah. scary as well. So I don't know if you guys heard us talking about Austin Hubbard, who was beaten by Mark O. Madsen. Um, but Austin Hubbard had a win in September, Kenny, over Kyle Prepolek uh, in Vancouver, I believe it was. That and leg. He oh. got compartment syndrome after the fight and basically passed out in the elevator. And I'd encourage any of our fans who don't have a squeamish stomach to Google Austin Hubbard leg and see what this man dealt with, the gray matter that was his leg and Dude. he almost lost his leg i think it was like 38 staples or whatever almost lost the leg and of course thereby his fighting what? career so i was telling this story while he was walking out while many of our listeners were in commercial break and then i showed rogan the picture uh while we were in commercial and joe, joe said and dude yeah. you almost made him throw up on camera because the minute you said that joe goes oh why'd you show me that hubbard throws a fucking leg kick and omadson that like the timing yeah. that you guys had with that was pretty spectacular. Can flow <laughs> apartment syndrome, bro. I'm glad you retired, dude. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, uh, so Ian, I just want to very quickly get your thoughts on uh, Zhang Wei Li and Joanna Yeon Jacek, and then time permitting, if you got 30 seconds on Adesanya Romero, but. This feels like one of the best fights that I've ever been able to witness. I, I'm always thinking as a former boxing guy in the back of my mind, God, this damage just ain't good for career longevity. But uh, they gave the fans an absolute treat. And you got to think a decade down the line, that's that fight's going to be in the UFC Hall of Fame. I mean, it's uh, people keep saying it's the best fight in women's MMA history. I think it's one of the best fights in overall MMA history. You know, it, it gave you everything you wanted for five rounds, the pace, the, the striking, just the strategy. It was crazy. Uh, you know, it, it's sad that Joanna obviously came out looking the way she did. I mean, I've never seen a forehead swell like that wow. ever, you know, but um, props to both of them. I hope they run it back. I, I think that rematch is very much deserving. I mean, it's just crazy. I, I, I mean, yes, longevity of careers you always got to think about. But look, to her, maybe it was her last shot at a title. And she really gave it all. I mean, it could have went either way, but kudos to both women. That was unbelievable in every sense of the word. You're going, collared, you're going collared shirt today. You're not in the sweatpants world with me today. You got somewhere to be? I had a meeting this morning. I had a couple meetings this morning. I had to wear a polo with, with sweatpants, but, you know, at least I went polo up top. I'm kidding. I'm wearing jeans. Don't worry. Yeah. A any of those Anakin Florian podcast sales meetings or no? <laughs> I, I haven't done enough in the last few weeks. My bad. I'm sorry. No, look totally. At this guy. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. <laughs> well, you know that your your highest value to us on this program is obviously your insight from uh, a betting perspective. So let's get to it. And uh, time permitting, on the backside, we'll hit on Izzy Adesanya. Main card, ESPN Plus this weekend, folks, in the light heavyweight division. Johnny Walker Blue, minus 140. Nikita Krilov is plus 120. We'll see if uh, if Johnny Walker can bounce back from that Corey Anderson disaster. You know, he had won nine in a row going into that fight before those fateful uh, two minutes and seven seconds. Krilov on the other side lost a split to Glover Teixeira his last time out. That was September. So Krilov one and two in this second UFC stint. Ian Parker, who do you have in this main card fight at 205? I like Johnny Walker here. I like him at these odds. I was, I think it was minus 140 right now. I think Krilov is definitely dangerous, but I just don't know. Um, he doesn't do well against pressure guys, you know, and I think Walker, uh, Different mindset, different gym where he's at. I think they're going to reboot his IQ a little bit. And I think this is a good uh, rebound fight for him. Not knocking Krylov at all. He's not a bad fighter. He's well-rounded. I just don't think he's dynamic enough to handle what Johnny Walker is going to bring. I think, I think Walker comes back and makes a statement here. So I'm going Johnny Walker. 
And I would think for Ken Flo, formerly trained by the great Faraz Sahabi, if Johnny Walker is going to go up to Montreal, that's enough to get your pick today, is it not? I'm going to go with Johnny Walker, but I tell you what, Krilov is one of those guys who could pull off an ups- upset. No doubt. no doubt about it, and I think that he's still dangerous. He's going to be right there. He's not going to fold easy, that's for sure. Um, I do think Johnny Walker should get the win. I like the fact that he's training with Faraz. Um, I, I think he'll be more measured in how he uses his weapons and um, how he moves forward offensively. Uh, I hope for the better, and I hope he still retains some of that exciting uh, you know, aspects of his game. Uh, but I like Johnny Walker here, but not going to be easy. All right, next up, lightweight guys. Not a featherweight fight here. Hanato Moicano, minus 325 versus Damir Hadjevic, who is plus 265. So Moicano was closing in on a featherweight title shot. He had wins over Calvin Cater, finished Cup Swanson, but 2019, of course, not his year. Stoppage losses <laughs> to Jose Aldo and then the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung in a main event. So that not, not only set him back, but forced him to hit the reset button on his career. He moves up to 55, and here in that UFC lightweight debut, heavily favored to get past Hajovic, Ian Parker. Who do you like? I think based on the level of competition, I still think Moicano has enough left in the tank. Again, surprise the odds are so high up there, being 0-2 and going up in weight. But this matchup, I think, favors him. I think if he brings his fight to the ground, doesn't get sloppy, uses his range, he should be all right. You know, the guy he's fighting was really losing to uh, Marcin Held until he hit that really magical miracle knee that I've never seen before when a guy shoots in like that. So I like Moicano here straight on a betting standpoint. It's hard on a minus 300 plus, right. you know, for a guy who's 0-2 going up in weight. But I think this matchup does favor him. Still a talented guy. I've heard good things from him, you know, from his camp and whatnot. So I, I like him in this fight still. Yeah, Ken Flo Moicano, a prohibitive favorite, minus 325. No value there, especially because we haven't yeah. seen him in the weight class in the UFC. But uh, certainly a talented fighter. I'm intrigued to see him uh, without the, the treacherous weight cut as well. Yeah, listen, I I think I don't love him at 155 pounds. I'm not sure he's going to do as well as he would at featherweight. But it looks like he's trying to reset his career here. I do like him in this fight. However, uh, I think he matches up pretty well. Hopefully, he's able to utilize his reach. Sometimes, he just doesn't take advantage uh, of his reach like he did at 145. So, um, I I think he's got to be careful in this fight. Uh, Hajovic is a dangerous uh, striker at times. But Moicano should be able to get the win here. All right, next up on the main card in the strawweight division, Amanda Hibas, minus 270 versus Randa Marcos, plus 230. So 14th UFC appearance for Randa Marcos, whom I really like. She's trying to do something here, though, that she has not ever done in the UFC, and that's win two in a row. So it's been a lot of up and down. Uh, Hebus obviously coming off the huge win over the previously undefeated Mackenzie Dern. She's 2-0 and in the UFC, but just nine months on the roster. There's no denying Hebus's talent, but mm-hmm. she's fighting a strawweight who has as much UFC experience as anyone, uh, Ian Parker. Hebus or Marcos for you? I love Hebus here. I, I love her in general. I think she is a tremendous talent and a little bit of a breath of fresh air overall skill-wise. I think Random Marcos is still too much of that one-trick pony. Keeps her hands low, relies on the wrestling, but she's so hesitant with her striking. And I think Hebus is just going to be too much, too aggressive, and too well-rounded everywhere here. I'm going Hebus. Not much to really say on this one. I never plan my fight ending calls, but the way you said Hebus there instead of Hebus makes me think the next time she finishes someone, no, I'm not getting on you. I'm saying the next time, I'm not getting on you, bro. Relax. Next time okay. she finishes someone, okay. get on the Hebus, right? Get on, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. You turned that around. No, no, I saw where you were going with that. I was going to say, I've been working really hard on these pronunciations. Yeah, and, I went, I like and real quick, 
I would like to really give a shout out to the guy that did that interview uh, with Rashad Evans for making me look like such a fucking pro by saying Yoel Romario and Israel Adonijah. Um, yeah. I love yeah. you. I will follow you. I don't know who you are, but you're awesome. Sorry, go ahead, Kenny. absolutely <laughs> nailed those two incorrect pronunciations, but still couldn't get Krillov off the top of the show today. Uh, Ken Flo, Boss versus Marcos. Marcos plus 230. Any value on that side or no? All aboard, all aboard the Hebas. Um, listen, yeah, I, I think uh, Hebas uh, does everything better, really, than Randa Marcos. Uh, just to cut to the chase, I think where Randa kind of her strengths, I think Hebas is still better in those areas. But I think this is a, a fight that is kind of perfect for Hebas to really shine. I think she's going to look really sharp on the feet. I think she's going to be able to thwart all those takedown attempts by Marcos uh, up against the cage or in the middle of the cage. Does not matter. Um, I think she's going to win a lot of those exchanges, and she might get a finish over a very tough Randa Marcos. See, if we were if we were naming our episodes, this would be episode 240, all aboard the Hibas. You know? Yeah, we should start I like doing that. All right, <laughs> co-main event will have flow lead here. It's at 170 pounds. Gilbert Durino burns minus 210 versus Damian Maya plus 175. Of course, we will need the round and the method of victory. How about Damian Maya? I mean, this is crazy, right? So he had the three-fight losing streak 11 months ago. Everybody leaves him for dead. Winless all of 2018. So 2019, this motherfucker goes 3-0, right? What is he, 44 now? Probably not that old. So 3-0 last year. So I was watching the main event between Maya and Askren in a car with Ian Parker. So he submits Ben Askren in a main event. Um, Maya is a future first ballot UFC hall. Without a doubt. He has 22 UFC wins. Of course, here flow. He's taken on a guy who's just killing it right now. Gilbert Durino Burns had a lot of success in two divisions. He's won six of seven. The only loss in there by knockout to Dan Hooker, I think back in 2017. What do you think here about your guy, Damian Maya against another guy who you obviously have a relationship with Gilbert Durino Burns? Yeah. These are two guys that I don't want to see fight each other. I want to see the fight, but I don't want to see either of these guys lose. Um, Listen, Damian Maya's nickname should be the fucking legend. Damian right. the fucking yeah. legend Maya. Uh, he, he's he's an absolute hero. Uh, but um, you know, this is not an easy fight for either guy. The problem is for Damian, he tends to struggle against other guys with very good takedown games. Um, I think Damian Maya tends to come out pretty hot early on with his striking, and then you see his volume kind of fade a little bit as the fight goes on. Um, I think Gilbert Burns has the takedown game to kind of make it difficult for Maya to get on top if it, basically this it, it comes down to this the person who gets the takedown is going to win this fight and, and if it uh, doesn't come down to that I see Gilbert Burns probably being more consistent with his striking a little bit I think he has more power on the feet um, and I, I think if Maya gets it done it's probably going to be early if this goes decision I like Gilbert Burns in this fight I think it will go to decision I'm going to go with Gilbert Burns by decision over the legend Damian Maya all right, Gilbert Burns by decision for Ken Flo. By the way, 43 in November for Damian Maia. So, Amazing. Uh, I, I got the cap before the horse a little bit there. So, Ian, looks like it's going to be welterweight for Burns here, at least for the immediate future. That's where he's ranked in the UFC. Um, a lot of people feel like if he's going to be a champion, maybe 55 is where that would happen. What are your thoughts on Dorino Burns here in, in what's just a fascinating matchup against the future Hall of Fame? Flo was so uncomfortable having to break down that fight. He didn't want to upset anyone right there. I Dude, can see that he's like Flo. Oh, I know he's got it. This is like when DC is calling a Duran win fight. He says the truth, but he's a little bit uncomfortable. But he was good. <laughs> um, I, I really, I really like Gilbert Burns in this fight. I, I think Damian is 
an absolute legend for taking this fight. I I can't believe this is who they give him. After he beats Askren, you think they'd give him something a little bit more favorable of a matchup, but he's fighting a guy who, on the ground, is an is an absolute savage. His striking has evolved tremendously. You know, he can he's going to be the better striker. If this fight stays on the feet, I think Gilbert Burns can do whatever he wants. And on top of that, Gilbert Burns doesn't really have a neck, so I don't know what uh. You know what? What yeah. David's going to really latch onto here? I, I don't disagree with Kenny about this going to a decision because I just don't see Damien getting subbed. However, the only thing I could see happening is Gilbert maybe finishing him on the feet. He's got power in those hands, you know. But again, this is one of those fights where it's it, it's close um, in that regard. However, I am pretty confident Gilbert gets the win. I'm going to roll with Kenny on this one. Uh, I'm not friends with either one of them. But I love both guys. Gilbert Gilbert Burns by decision. (laughs) Burns by decision. So complete agreement. Congruence. Is that a word? Complete agreement uh, through four fights here. A lot of chalk. Maybe we'll have uh, some dissension here in the main event. Lightweight Kevin Lee minus 130 versus Charles Dubronx Oliveira, who is plus 110. How about this flow? Kevin Lee in the main event for the sixth time in his last seven fights. Wow. Right? I mean, wow. that's a lot of fucking main events. 13 submissions on the other side in the UFC for Du Bronx, more than any fighter in UFC history. And he's out of Terry's won six in a row since a 2017 loss to Paul Felder. Du Bronx undefeated in Brazil as well, but so is the Motown Phenom, 1-0. He went to Fortaleza uh, back in the day on the equator there and submitted Masaranduba. You know, weight cut's always a part of the narrative for me during a Kevin Lee fight week, especially mm. when the fight is international. Ian Parker, close main event on paper. Will it be seven straight for Charles Oliveira, or do you like Kevin Lee? Oh, this is so difficult. This is so difficult to choose. Oliveira's looked phenomenal, but the level of competition he's fought hasn't been overly impressive. That I thought anyone was really threatening. And, you know, when Kevin Lee fought Gregor in that last fight, I just thought that his experience and his level of competition he's fought was a difference. That kick he landed was, was insane. This is so tough. This is really a hard fight for me to pick on a Monday. Um, yeah. But... You know, I just, you know, if it goes to the ground, I favor Oliveira. If it stands on the feet, stays on the feet, I like Kevin Lee. I'm going to roll the dice here for now. It's Monday. I'm going to go with Dubronx at the moment. I I am hoping that he can use his range here, use the front kick, because even if he gets taken down, he's so dangerous off his back. You know, and Lee's not a very long guy, so he will have no problem using his long legs to control Lee off his back. And I think if this is the time for Oliveira to get to that next level in division, we've always talked about that next step and him not showing. He's got a show here. Finishing yeah. a guy like Kevin Lee or beating him, it, it, it has to happen now. Because if it doesn't, what? where does he go from here? Yeah. This is the big test from him. So I'm going to roll the dice on Monday and take Oliveira. I'm going to say by submission. I'm going to say by rare naked choke. I'll even go – I'm going to go second round because I think he has to do it early because I don't love his cardio either. So yeah. that's where I'm going to go for the moment here. And for our listeners wondering why Ian is is referencing Monday repeatedly, these guys reserve the right to uh, to literally change their prediction until right up to fight time. Hopefully, they would do you the service of actually pushing out a tweet as well and not just send me the text. But, yes, 100%. Oliveira by submission for Ian Parker. Ken Flo, I like the fact that Kevin Lee has aligned with Faraz Sahabi, right? I don't mm-hmm. know if you have any extra intel because of that but i really do like that relationship huge result for that team obviously at ufc 244 with the knockout of gregor gillespie uh how do you see the main event playing out kid you know i think you make a a great point because if he was facing charles Oliveira, maybe with a different camp i'm not sure i'd be so confident in my pick if i were to go uh the route the way of kevin lee um i am going to go the way of kevin lee i think for us we'll have him prepared for someone like a charles Oliveira. uh he'll certainly have the uh takedown game 
um, you know, on lock. I, I think as far as the striking goes, they're they're both about even. Oliveira uh, is dangerous with his knees. Uh, I think Kevin Lee's kicks. Um, I think his punches are, are 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 good to set up those kicks. I think the most dangerous part of Kevin Lee's game, though, are those kicks. Whether he's attacking the legs or going upstairs uh, for a roundhouse kick, um, I, I do think he should look to try to steal some rounds, take him down, try to grind on him, get him tired. I think. Oliveira is most dangerous in the transition. When you get him into some static positions like his guard and kind of slow him down, um, he's not able to be as creative. He needs movement. He needs space. I think Kevin Lee can kind of take that away from him, both on the feet by pressuring him up against the cage and on the ground by keeping his head um, you know, above that head level where he can land some ground and pound and stay out of the submissions at the same time. Um, I like Kevin Lee here. Um, I'm going to go with third round TKO. Kevin Lee. Round three TKO for Kevin but Lee. As, and as Ian said, I, I you know, yeah. I, I would like to see how they look weighing yeah, in. That is always sure. a factor for Kevin. You know, weigh-ins can be a, a problem for him. Um, so we'll see coming right, up this Ian, week. Ian Parker on social media at Parker Cage Hero and omnipresent on that Anna Florian pod page as well. We will have an Instagram live for you uh, coming up Saturday before the fights. Ian Parker, great stuff, my man. Drive safely on your way home. We'll see you next week. Later, Kenny. Chill, bro. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Later. Thanks, dude. See you, dude. All right. We got to get on out of here. Good stuff today. Inspired stuff out of Ray Longo. Thanks to Ian Parker. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped. Thanks to TJ DeSantis, Mike Heck on the video side. Please subscribe to our new YouTube channel, by the way. Yes, we are coming up on the five-year anniversary of this program, but trying to uh, get an uptick in the video subscriptions and really try to take that part of it to the uh, requisite next level uh, on social media. It is at Pod, And if you want to email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. Next Monday, full recap of Kevin Lee and Charles Dubronx Oliveira and a preview of Tyron Woodley's return. You know, that's going to be interesting, Ken Flo, with all the coronavirus backdrop, how that London event event could be affected. So uh, it'll be Leon Edwards and Tyron Woodley full preview and predictions coming up next week. MayRockyBJJ.com if you want to check out Ken Flo's school in the L.A. area. With that, for Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening, for watching everything else. We'll talk to you next Monday. Until then, yo, fuck later. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. 
Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.